Real Empires. With hey, everybody. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and me and Jessica. Um, dude, I've just been watching. I, I, half of it, I've just been watching whatever came out. Like, I watched it tomorrow, or which was surprisingly a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It's like some uh, some futuristic death alien action movie with Chris Pratt, who I, I'm not, I don't like. I don't think I like him outside of anything besides he's Star-Lord, which I do like him in, and then uh, Parks and Rec. But otherwise, he's just, like, really annoying. And he's not funny anymore, at least in this movie. He's He's kind of more serious, but... It was surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be. So there's like an opening scene where they're like, (laughs) I don't even know how to explain this. It's like us from the future, like people from the future, like came to now and was like, we're losing a war in the future. So what we're going to do is we're going to transport all of you now to fight this future war. Um, And so tons of people are dying. I think they said, you know, millions and millions of people have um, died fighting this war, even though, um, they were taking them, abducting them from the present and putting them into the future. So Chris Pratt goes on this on this mission, and one of the opening scenes is they're just launching people. There, there was like a mistake or something in the transportation, and they get like dropped off in the sky. So all these people that like just got transported by this war are just being like dropped out of the sky and like hitting buildings and like dying, like splattering all over the place. I was like, oh, that's a surprising opening scene. Um, yeah, it's, it is kind of fun. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, it's worth the watch for sure. Maybe not in a theater. Um, but it's definitely just worth, worth watching to see something like ridiculous, but fun. Um, Mm -hmm. I also saw Black Widow. Oh yeah. Uh, Have you seen this yet? No, my wife did. It's great, but it's also not. So I feel like they, they did a montage of Black Widow's backstory which i thought was kind of lame like they had a short piece where they introduced the characters as children uh david what's his name harbor yeah david harbor he's great um but then they have this like song montage of her past and i feel like um someone called it um they neutered it which i feel the same i feel like they neutered such a big part of her story and and uh made it less serious like you get the idea there's like you know, female children being trafficked, but instead of, you know, hookers, they're being um, trafficked into um, murderers to be assassins. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it was, like, really great. <laughs> it's a great Marvel movie. A lot of people said uh, they wish uh, it's they wish it was as good as Miss Marvel was made out to be. Um, I still like Miss Marvel. Um, Captain Marvel, sorry. I was going to say, but I was like, well, I'll, yeah, whatever. Same, same difference. Same difference. Um, so it it really is good. The action's good. Um, Francis Pugh is great in it. Um, Florence, right? Florence. God, I can't okay. remember anyone's name today. Uh, it's, it is good. It's fun. I, 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 heard, think... I heard her and David Harbour were the best parts of it. Yeah, David Harbour is definitely a release. I, Scarlett Johansson just, like, is, I feel like it's so dry in this movie, but... I also liked th- everything about it otherwise, so I don't really care. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. It's it's enjoyable. It's a good Marvel movie. Um, and then i just been watching TV, so I watched Sweet Tooth. Oh, yeah. Which is I like a comic it adaption. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is really good. Um, it's sad. Um, 
I I think it's a great adaption from the comic. Um, uh-huh. I powered through the first season. And then um, American Horror Story has like a new set of like American Horror Story stories, uh, right. which is kind of stupid, but also very entertaining. It's like sexy and like raunchy, but very stupid. Um, mm. But the third episode is interesting. So the the first two were like a, a two parter of like the bondage suit, um, the latex suit um, yeah. story, and then the third episode was very. Um, and we've done a few movies like this before, um, where it's like a haunted film. Oh yeah. Um, and so they play the haunted film, and uh, uh, Adrian Bobo is in it. Oh yeah. Um, someone else was in it. My brain. I should honestly start. Um, just writing notes down, but uh, she's in it, and it's actually really clever. Um, yeah. You know, this this haunted film made people so enraged that they killed everybody, and then now they're showing a special cut of it um, years later. Uh, it's fun. It's it's not the best um, type of uh, scariness I've seen from these type of films, but it yeah. is definitely worth watching this third episode. If you even if you go past the first two, I honestly wouldn't care because the third episode is watch it. It's worth it. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a show called Masters of Horror that was fantastic, and it was, like, all these different, like, horror directors, like, you know, doing, like, basically one-hour-long movies, and Carpenter had come back out of retirement, this was years ago, to do one that was very similar to what you're talking oh, about, yeah. called Cigarette Burns, and that one, to me, is, like, um, of all of the cursed film or cursed, you know, media-type story that one to me was really at norman reedus in it like basically working for udo kier who's like trying to track down this like legendary print of a film that like the only time it was ever screened with like the audience went fucking berserk and like murdered everybody and like it was Mm -hmm. fucking fantastic and it was just like it actually was creepy too and like um i I was it was also but it was of note because it was carpenters like he had done ghosts of mars and then he hadn't done anything for like a decade i think and then it was like oh i'm doing the cigarette i'm doing cigarette burns or almost a decade and uh it was really cool so you know you should check that out if you if you liked that american horror yeah, story I, re- I remember it i mean um i like i think i liked any type of cursed or um kind of locked in theater type of movies yeah. i mean you don't demons yeah. um as well but and then the only other thing that I've watched lately is the show called The Expanse, which I really slept on. It's actually five seasons. Um, mm-hmm. It came as a recommendation from a nerd board, uh, Cerebros, who also has a podcast. Um, I love it. It's actually uh, a great show. So the first season kind of starts off as like this weird space noir um, with Thomas Jane as this like space cop. Um, and they have Earth and Mars, and Mars at this point has been colonized. And then there's the Belters, which are like the you know the lower class people that have um, <clears throat> you know been tasked to work in space for their entire lives and and grow up there. And so there's like three types: there's Earthers or Inners, um, and you know from Earth, Mars, and then um, the Belters. And they're all in battle with each other, but then you know they're in space, and it opens up into like parallel universes and other planets and alien beings it's actually really fucking cool the first season is is pretty good a little cheesy at times and then now i'm in the second and third season and it's fucking awesome Mm. um it's it's five seasons i think it's on amazon prime yeah prime show um definitely worth a watch um if anyone's looking i feel like it's it's kind of under the radar 
I mean, it mm. made it five seasons and I, I just started watching it. So, um, but other than that, the only thing that I'm excited for in TV wise is why the last man, um, yeah. there's a trailer out or well, a teaser trailer. Um, and this was a comic by, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, <clears throat> uh, who also writes like saga and paper girls and, and others. Why the last man is really cool. It came out, God, what? 15 years that, ago yeah. mm-hmm. um, about that about um, how all men on the planet have been wiped out except for one um, so the planet is run by women uh, hmm. very interested to see how this adapts to TV I mean we've been waiting this for, for years I remember when Heroes was on we started hearing rumors about why the last man being adapted so I'm actually really excited for it I don't think it premieres until October but still very psyched that it's at least coming out this year Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was never, I just never got into the comic book. I I, I mean, I I definitely tried, but like the one that I'm waiting, for, I'm looking forward to is the Sandman adaptation that they're going to be doing. Oh yeah. So there's a lot. Have you heard about the casting? Like I, uh, mm-hmm. the only reason I have Tumblr is just I follow Neil Neil Gaiman and uh, his he his commentary on like posts and and other people and answering questions is is really great. So that's why I follow him. But one, he was just like talking about the cast and some people were mad that the cast was women. And he's like, if you are mad at this, then you never read Sandman. Yeah. Like, you don't know, you have, you've never read any of my works before. Like, you know, so I'm really excited. Um, he has a big part of it. I'm pretty sure like everything he's done is great too, that, that he's had his hand in. American God is really cool. I honestly didn't finish it because it kind of dropped off for me. But otherwise, um, yeah. Good Omens was great. Yeah. I'm excited for that too. Sandman is like one of my favorite comics of all time. Me too. It's it's Sandman and Preacher, and I've already you know I've already heard that Preacher got you know mangled, but I'm more confident that um, Sandman will be because I think that Neil Gaiman is you know well he is he's directly involved with you know and that, that's that's important. I remember when they were going to do a movie, they were going to do a movie about it. And I was like, you can't just do a fucking movie. You'd have to do like a Lord of the Rings type trilogy just to get the first. I don't know three arcs yeah. done, you know, and like, and that's and so I I, I look forward to the idea of like a a, a Netflix show, um, but I um you know, speaking of Netflix, I watched uh I think you should leave season two, which oh yeah we binged it's, that one. It's so easy to because the episodes are so short, but yeah, yeah, I've memorized pretty much all of season two already because it's yeah. just like that perfect type of humor that's like short and funny and stupid and yeah. it's great. Like a buddy of mine, I just keep texting each other references to the hat, epi- the, the 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 sketch where he's wearing the fedora with the safari. We'll just be texting each other like, "No one said shit, dude. No one said shit." Or like, you know, or I've never fought for anything in my life before. I'm fighting for this hat. Like, we'll just go back and forth. Um, I we you know we watched that. Like my wife, you know, we've talked about this before. And my wife got um hip replacement surgery, so um I took a few days off from work to kind of like you know just be accessible and not be working and like and and just be able to like get whatever she needs but we spent a lot of time just kind of binging stuff because we were uh you know she was she was recovering so or she's been recovering still so i um we watched i think you should leave season two and then um we watched uh i hadn't seen this before and i didn't want to see it but we heard so many recommendations that we finally caved and watched it uh was barb and star go to vista del mar oh is Kristen wig or something yeah and i actually haven't forgiven her yet but it's yeah, I know, but it's funny. 
it's it's actually really good. I dug it. Um, I didn't think I would. I was very, I was very kind of like, ugh, uh, you know. It, the thing is, when you're tr- when you go out of your way to make something as absurd as as Barb and Starvitz go to go to Vista del Mar, it's like, um, it's some it just sometimes it falls flat, you know, because I, I think some of the, like the inherent charm of some like some more absurd stuff that I like is that the person making it was didn't think this. It wasn't coming from the mind of like, let's think of how weird we can make this. They're like no, this is completely normal, right? And you're like, no, it's definitely not, you know? So I like, there's, there's, it's really hard to do that intentionally. And I think that they actually did it really well. Um, there's definitely parts where I was like, ah, I could have done without this. I could have done without that. But all in all, I did, I was, I laughed out loud more often than I expected to. Um, I enjoyed it. And then, um, and then my wife and I watched, my wife watched the, I could hear her. I was working on stuff in the other room. I was editing something. And I could hear her watching the Fear Street trilogy, and I was really impressed what I heard. But at the same time, I was like, "For I'm, I'm still in this um, weird mentality that um, it bums me out when stuff pr- d- premieres directly on." streaming you know like i want to i for something like fear street i would have been probably more inclined to go see that as opposed you know it's weird it's like i would have probably oh. been more inclined to go out of my way to go to a theater to see it as opposed to just walking into the living room to watch it i don't know what it is it's just like i don't want to let go of that like feeling of like going to a movie and seeing seeing something for the first time like on a big screen and like and really getting sucked in like uh i was actually have a conversation about this on on um fourth of july about uh, how sometimes when you just go to a movie, going to see something in the theater, um, specifically a horror movie, will completely change um, how you, you know, how you view it. Like I saw the Evil Dead remake, and um, when it was out, when it came to the, you know, when it was out in theaters and everything, and I went to a screening in Glendale at like nine o'clock at night on a Wednesday, and there was three people in the audience, and I was one of them. And the other two were a couple making out like in the back of the <laughs> fucking theater. And that movie actually got under my skin because it was like you're in the dark, there's nobody around, you have no way to cut the tension at all, you have nobody you can, you know, you you, you can't talk in the theater, you fucking shouldn't, or you should get the fuck out, you know. Um, but and to me, that movie really got under my skin. I really enjoyed it. Same thing I felt about Hereditary. When I saw Hereditary, it was granted it was more people, but it definitely like got I got freaked out watching it. And then you know when I saw it at home, it doesn't have the same. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe some movies. Uh, I think it's also different when you. I mean, I moved to like a very suburban like right. part of Georgia, and so now everything like I'm I hear a noise and I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like while watching a movie, I'm like extra, extra freaked out. But um, I mean, I get what you're saying. I just saw um, people under the stairs in the theater um, for yeah. the first time, which is great because I I had never got to, and I, I finally got a chance to. Yeah. Um, but and also the um, soundtrack is finally released on vinyl, so go buy it. Um, yep. But Fear Street, I feel like I could have cared less about, even if it came out in the theater. I yeah. felt like it's it's this like Stranger Things horror. I don't I don't know. I, I just felt like the cast was really young. It felt very Netflixy to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. I liked it. I liked all of them. Um, I, think... I didn't. I didn't watch it. I just. I. I could overhear oh. it, and I was like, "Whoa, okay." It's yeah, okay. Just... It's like young adult horror. Yeah. I mean, that's what the books were. I mean, I was at. The, I, by the time those books had come out, I was. I was at an age. I was already reading like other stuff like Stephen King and all that stuff. So it's like, I never really got into the whole like fear street craze, you know, that like, and I know that the books aren't based off of anything, any of the, the movies aren't based off of any of the books or anything, but it's just like, 
like when scary stories to tell in the dark came out as disappointing as i as disappointed as i was with that i went and saw that in the theater because i i was like oh i was i was the age to fucking read these books so i was really looking forward to it and it just didn't it didn't pan out and that one felt like to me is like oh this is like the weird like we're gonna take scary stories to tell in the dark and we're gonna make a movie about it but it's only gonna be for people who are the audience is gonna be for for kids now as opposed to the you know the audience should have been for the people who fucking read the books when they came out and were like holy shit and they were scarred for life because the artwork is so fucking brilliant and disturbing <laughs> um so I, I i didn't watch fear street but i i my wife and i were kind of taking turns picking movies she picked barb and star and i i showed her um mask of the red death which is one of my favorites and i i but i I avoided it during lockdown because, or, you know, stay at home and everything like that, because the movie is about, you know, the, the, the red death, like the plague that's like hitting this town. This fucking rich prince basically invites all the other rich people that he's, that he knows to come to his castle and basically like hole up in his castle so they can stay, they can not get infected with the plague and just treat people like shit. And he's just like a terrible human being. And they're all terrible people, you know? And like, and uh, there's like a middle-class, there's like a like a starving class like village you know that are like are being decimated by this fucking plague and he's just fucking you know him and all the rich people it's very you know it was too real to watch last year i was like i i my <laughs> wife had wanted to see it i was like i was like i love this movie it's one of my favorite roger corman films but i can't i just can't do it right now because i think it will it'll a freak me out too much in a real like kind of like watching jaws when i watched jaws on fourth of july last year and i was like oh if you just substitute a shark for the pandemic, it's the same fucking movie, and it's it, it becomes terrifying. Um, but uh, so we we finally watched that, and and I, I I can't recommend that movie enough. Um, and then I watched a movie called The Nightmare Sisters, which was uh, had Linnea Quigley, who we talked about in Night of the Demons, and she's one of my favorite um, scream queens. Yeah, yes, she's in my top three for sure, and uh, and. Um, and so I watched Nightmare Sisters, and that's I love. It, it's really like it was a direct-to-video movie when it came out. Um, three nerdy sorority girls um, somehow, like you know, they they magic ensues or evil magic ensues, and they become these three gorgeous. It's like it's Linnea Quigley. Um, God, I can't remember the other actress's name, but they were all like scream queens, you know, and um, they. Uh, they become hot and sexy and you know they try to kill the dudes that they're like hanging out with um it's just it's it's complete cool. <laughs> it is it was great i had a great time um it was definitely one of those movies that you would have watched like on the up all night you know like usa's up all night it's like it's got that like it's a sleepover movie i i just can't describe it any other way but it's like it's you know it was uh Lene quigley and michelle bauer and brink stevens and like um those are the only those are the three actresses and it was just this so this is great you know you have a, you have you have a, you order a bunch of pizzas have your friends over for the night and like you watch which i did this alone by the way uh so mm-hmm. um i watched that i have gone to the movies twice since we spoke last and i mentioned that to you before i went to the new beverly and saw the warriors which i've seen i mean during, fuck during lockdown i uh you know i i screened it for my wife on the projector i mean like i love the warriors but i'd never gotten to see it on the big screen and so I wanted to see it and it was, uh, it was exactly, you know, it was great. It's always, I was seeing this to my wife the other day. I always love going to see a movie that either, it could be a movie that I own. And I love going to see it in a the theater with an audience because when you watch a movie so many times by yourself or with a small group of people, 
um, seeing it with a big audience, you realize like, okay, okay, I'm not the only one who thought that was funny. You know, like like James Ramar in Warriors, he plays um, Ajax, who he plays kind of like the dirtbag member of the Warriors, like the type of guy that you would never want to be friends with, but you would always want in your corner. And I think he does that really well. He plays this character that's like really kind of a shit heel, uh, but like he's also a good, you know, he's also a good friend. You know, like he like he's he's loyal to. There's like a scene where him and, and Cowboy are being chased by the baseball furies, and and you know he's like i can't i can't make it anymore he's like you sure he's like he's like okay great and then he just turns around and he beats the shit out of all the baseball furies it's a great mm-hmm. moment but like he is he has these lines in that movie that are so like over the top terrible like terrible is in like oh man i can't believe he just used that word or i can't believe he just oh i can't believe he just said that out loud but i laugh every time i hear him do it because he just he his he enunciates so well and hearing, seeing that in the New Beverly with an audience, people were laughing at the same parts. I was like, okay, great. I'm not crazy. That is funny. Um, and then, and then um, it's just, I needed that validation. And then um, I went and saw a week later, I saw Something Wild, with which is Jonathan Demme. Um, I can't stress enough how much I think this movie is pr- probably a perfect film. Um, Something Wild was Jonathan Demme. I think it was 86 or 87. It has Jeff Daniels and Melanie Griffith. And Jeff Daniels plays this like corporate dude this like executive or whatever who like he meets this woman who basically like basically hijacks him and like drags him on this road trip with her mm-hmm. and um and they go to her high school reunion and she, he pretends to be her husband unfortunately her actual husband that she's like she's she who just got out of prison and you know she's not into him anymore but he's played by ray Liotta. it was one of his first movies and it's a movie that is it starts off as a romantic comedy like a screwball romantic comedy and then it takes these like weird tonal shifts where it gets like really dark it gets incredibly dark at one point like really dark but it does it so naturally and then it turns right back into a romantic com- it, like it, it weaves in and out of like these different genres but it does it so well that like it, everything feels like oh that was earned you know um it's it got an amazing soundtrack i just i fucking love this movie i own it um, but I was like, I couldn't turn down the opportunity to see on the big screen. And it was just, it was fucking delightful. Um, it, it, it's like, this is what I missed for a year, you know, was being able to go see movies that I already own and that I could see any time. And, but being able to see them with a, with an audience and like in the dark and like on a giant screen and like, you know, it's new Beverly. So they're all film prints and everything like that. Uh, it was just fucking fantastic. Um, I was really, uh, I, I love the warriors. I really do, um, but that and that movie holds a special place in my heart. But some, getting to see something wild on the big screen was was wild in itself. Um, <laughs> but uh, we, uh, yeah, I guess we should just kind of like dive into our uh, our. Oh, yeah, our movie. we watched a movie. We watched a movie. It is a movie. I don't. This it's like really frustrating because this movie is really bad and really awesome at the same time. But yeah. uh, the Sentinel. Yeah, 1977, not the 2006 uh, movie. <laughs> I the was cast, worried. Yeah, that yeah, I was going to watch the wrong one. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, the cast on this movie is is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Burgess Meredith from Rocky, Ava Gardner, um, Jerry Orbach's in it as yeah, first scene from Law and Order, Jeff Goldblum, John Carradine, Ava Gardner, um, Martin Balsam, Beverly yep, Daniels Eli in this. Wolf. Yeah, she is Eli Wallach. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chris Tarandon, obviously, uh, Princess Bride, Fright Night, Child's Play. Uh, Bordello of Blood. Yeah, he's just like 
uh, also, he's so young in this. I, I kind of love it. And his acting is, like, really bad. But I kind of love that about this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Richard Dreyfus, I guess, is in it for a scene. He's uncredited. But um, the, all the trivia has pointed him out. And so you I can see him. That. Yeah, he's, like, guy on sidewalk. And uh, so he's in one of the scenes. Hmm. Uh, Christina Reigns is the main character. It was directed by Michael Winner, who most famously did Death Wish films. Yes. Uh, Charlie Bronson. Um, um yeah, this go for it. He's like so is uh I'd never seen it before. Oh, okay. So it's it's very ridiculous. So it's like um a neurotic young woman um wants to move into her own apartment, finds one's really cheap in uh in New York, uh fully furnished. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the only other tenant is um, an old priest, an old blind priest. Um, but, you know, something happens. She starts seeing things. Is she just crazy? Uh, she was suicidal from the start. Um, and then her boyfriend, fiance, Chris Sarandon, um, <laughs> is, is been like trying to help her the whole time. Um, but it, it's like such a bizarre movie. And I feel like this movie like sets up the first 20 minutes and then just goes insane the the yeah. last uh hour ish yeah. of of this movie uh i i really love it there's some like really bizarre uh scenes in here i i, I referenced the lesbians as they're so called yeah um, which is funny that they're also a part of the uh <laughs> the like demonic spirits and so they're nothing but like corny lesbians which i think is funny that they're in hell um yeah. There's there's another reason they they were murderers in a in a past life, but um, <clears throat> apparently according to the movie, yeah. uh, but the one of the um, lesbians is played by Beverly D'Angelo, and her whole scene is just you know masturbating um, on in the front couch. of in front of uh yeah in front of Christina Reigns, who's just there to have like what I think a cup of tea and like Beverly D'Angelo gets you know Sylvia Miles who's also in it plays the other lesbian and she's uh she was on the movie the she worked with Warhol a lot she was also in the movie The Fun House by Toby Hooper but she, Sylvia Miles goes to leave the room and it's just her and Beverly D'Angelo just starts like yeah just going to town on herself <laughs> and uh, and I you know it's funny because Christina Reigns in that scene plays it kind of how I think I would have played it where it's just like you kind of look away you're like I'm not seeing this but at the same time like the more she's getting into it the more you're like Jesus fucking Christ like what is this person doing you know <laughs> and I'm like and I definitely was like yeah but like but not outwardly like not being like like feeling so uncomfortable that there's like she's still trying to be polite but just getting visibly like what the fuck um and I love that scene not because of Beverly D'Angelo but more of her Christina Reigns' yeah. reaction. Um, yeah, so the whole idea is that Christina Reigns is like she's basically what like she's a tenant in an apartment building that's built on the gateway of, to hell, right? Yeah. Um, and and I I mentioned that because uh, in the movie The Burbs, Corey Feldman is talking to Tom Hanks. And he's like, "Do you ever see that movie The Sentinel?" And he like describes the plot of the movie because he's saying like, "What if mm-hmm. this town, like, what if this neighborhood or what if this house is like the on gateway to hell?" Yeah. Yeah. It's and, um there's some like really great scary scenes in here too yes. which is also why I kind of love it but some of the cut scenes are just ridiculous so mm-hmm. like one of my favorite scenes is you know the woman wakes up in the middle of the night she keeps hearing noises she's kind of like what the fuck is going on I know what you're talking about um yeah she sees a figure and the figure now you see her from the front and the figure from the front but he, he's from a side so you can't really see and he comes forward towards the camera and mm-hmm. she sees him and screams and that scene is so fucking good i feel like it's a perfect scene i you know what i i 100% agree with you that is the 
I love, I do, I really do love this movie, but that is, the, it's for that scene because I'm like, that genuinely, every time I've watched it, I watched, I showed my <laughs> wife this movie a few years ago. That scene genuinely creeps me the fuck out. Like, there's a lot of other things I know are supposed to be creepy, but that moment is so well, like the lighting of that and the way he looks. And, um, and I even, you know, I, I mean, of course I wrote it down, but also like it, it, that scene is immediately preceded with her, like, with a with a knife like stabbing his eye, stabbing his like chest, stabbing his like and it's like and lopping his nose off. And I was like, those gore effects are actually pretty good. Cause I was like, whoa, holy shit. Yeah. Like that's really impressive. Um I uh I had I when I was in junior high, I remember this girl I knew like knew that I was into horror movies and she told me about the Sentinel and I was like, Yeah, 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 I'll check it out. Because I was that kind of arrogant prick when I was like <laughs> when I was a, a kid that were like if anybody who I knew didn't really like horror movies was like, Oh, I saw this movie that'll scare the shit out of you. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, you're a fucking tourist, you know, like don't, don't come to, you know, don't come knocking on my door about something that's going to be scary. And she, but she talked about the Sentinel and, and you know, she was right. Like when I finally did watch it years later, I was like, Oh, this is a fucking creepy ass movie. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's um, the, the cast is fucking unbelievable in this movie. And it's like, it's, I feel like so many people are going to waste in this movie, but it's, but it's weird because like, they're not like when I say when I say they're going to waste like Christopher Walken. When you think of Christopher Walken, you think of Christopher Walken, right? But in this when when this movie came out, he wasn't Christopher Walken yeah, yet. He was still, yeah, he's so, so like young in it, and he has like a very few amount of lines, and they're very exactly. like detective-y, you know, like oh, and you're, guess, and you're like guess so, yeah, yeah. And you're like what the fuck, <laughs> like how can you not use? But you're like oh, because they didn't, he wasn't the dude yet, you know. Um, but what I like about this movie is that a lot of people, you know, we, all the people you mentioned have a lot of like horror pedigree, like Burgess Meredith, a lot of people, you know, yeah. And you're right. Like they would, they immediately associate him with Rocky, but horror fans recognize him and he's in numerous Twilight Zone episodes. Mm-hmm. He was in um, Burnt Offerings, which is te- fucking terrifying um, to, at the end. It, you have a long, like Burnt Offerings is a great movie, but like it's, it's worth it for the last like five minutes of the movie. And you have to go through, you have to go through a long movie to get there. Um, but he's great in that. And then Chris Sarandon, we've covered, we've already watched two movies that he, you know, Fright Night and Bordello yeah. of Blood that he's in. And uh, that fucking mustache, by the way, is, Oh my god! Is epic. Is so good. Um, I love it. Um, I Christina, like the, well, hmm? Burgess. Oh, Burgess Meredith has a great line in it, which I I thought was very clever. They, it has a few good lines, and the way that they're delivered is so bad that they make them perfect. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he's talking to the main character, the woman, and she's trying to explain what she does. She's like, "Oh, I'm trying to be trying to be an actress." Uh, but he's like, "Oh, what are you in?" And she's like, "I've done commercials." And he goes, "Oh, really? I thought you were an actress." And then, uh, but it's like so nonchalant insult yeah. uh, that I feel like she doesn't even notice. Uh, mm-hmm. It is, it is very clever. Some of the lines in in this movie. Yeah. So the apartment building that she's living in, like technically she's one of two tenants, but there's other ones that aren't are there or not there. Like it's, and Burgess Meredith plays like the 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 friendly outgoing one that turns out to be maybe a little bit more than just friendly or outgoing, and maybe a little bit more sinister. Um, but Christina Raines is in it, you know, she's the lead, like you said, and she w- she was also in the, the horror anthology movie Nightmares, um, you know, Goldblum, Jesus Christ, I me, mean, he was in, um, even though his voice is dubbed, by the way, like, did you notice oh, that? Oh, is it? it w- I saw, yeah. well, it was a weird scene, because it was just, like, one line, he was like, hey, what's wrong with, uh, with the, whatever her name is, um, yeah. Allison, and so it sounded really weird, and I was like, oh, maybe it's just because he's, like, super young, but. Right, and that's another example of what I meant by, like, you would think, like, oh, what what a waste of using Jeff Goldblum, but again, Jeff Goldblum wasn't, actually, Jeff Goldblum shows up in Death Wish by Michael Winter, but, like, Goldblum, it's like, how do you not have him fucking talk with that 
Goldblum voice, you know, but it's, I don't know, but he, you know, Jeff Goldblum was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers a few years later than The Fly. Um, you know, Christopher Walken, he's shown up in horror movies. I mean, I'm not even going to go into that. Dead I Zone. mean, Dead Zone, Sleepy Hollow. So you're making me go into it. Um, <laughs> the Addiction with Abel Ferreira. Uh, but, um, and then Jesus fucking Christ, David Carradine, who has been in more movies than most people have been alive, you know, like, I mean, uh, Is he's, it John? He, Car- it's John Carradine. Oh, yeah, that's right. John Carradine. Near John Carradine because, and the reason why I got the two confused is because we just did. We did. Well, we did. Um, we did. Yes, we did. Uh, Sunny Boy with David Carradine. Christina Raines was dating Keith Carradine, his brother, oh. John Carradine's son, at the time. Like they they were in a long term relationship. So, um, you know, there's a lot going on there. But I think part of the reason why the movie. Um, doesn't succeed where it really could have is because and I, I read this interview with Christina Raines because you know, there, you know there's not much about her and this movie and it's because she has never watched it she hated working on this film she loved working with everybody else but Michael Winner was a real piece of shit and yeah, I, it sounds like he's a prick from all the, like, mm-hmm. if you go through any of the trivia or look up information about this movie, everyone pretty much talks about how much of an asshole he is. <laughs> he is a garbage guy. So he, he also, you know, he directed Death Wish movies. He also directed a movie called Scream for Help, which was, <laughs> um, which was written um, by Tom Holland, who wrote Fright Night, and he directed Fright Night, and he also, uh, he also directed, um, child's play which we we did both of those right no we did child's play too um but um uh tom holland wrote scream for help and michael winter directed it and michael winter is like he's got this like he's a he's definitely a sleazeball you know like he he's like oh there's a sexiness let's make it as let's make it let's punch it up as much as possible and like in scream for help you're like oh they're supposed to be teenagers and like you're just lingering on that camera a little, you're that scene a little <laughs> too long. He just he's he's a real dirtbag. And then um, there's a great documentary that I, I recommend everybody should watch because it's fucking hilarious, and it's also really insightful. It's um called Electric Boogaloo, um, and it's the story of Canon Films, um, which was run by these two um, Israeli guys, um, Nachum uh, Golan, and I can't remember his cousin's name. I just know his cousin's last name is Globus, and like they, they, um, they, pro- you know, they produce under Canon Films so many movies that we've co- we we covered Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. Massacre too. They've covered they they produce that. They were like this notorious studio in the um in the eighties that were like they you know there's a couple of great movies that they did, but they also like did a lot of like they did a lot of the Charles Bronson movies, they did a lot of the Chuck Norris movies. Um, and this documentary is about their the history of their fucking studio. But one of the there's a there's a good chunk of that that documentary where they talk about Michael Winter and you have all these actresses basically being like, Oh, he was such an asshole. Like um the woman who played Deanna Troy in Star Trek Next Generation, she was in Death Wish Three, I believe. And there's a scene where she's like, I think she's a scene there's a rape scene and everything. And uh, at one point, she's like lying there, like they're filming. She's lying there naked, and she's cold. And the director of photography like went to put a bl- cover her up because you know she's cold. And they're just setting up the lighting. And Michael Winter like freaked out and like he screamed at the director of uh, uh, photography, being like, "How can you light her if she's not if she's covered up like that?" And like all this shit. And like he was just a real sadistic guy. And a lot of the female actresses I've I've ever you know I've, I've watched or read are like, yeah, he was a garbage garbage human being and he like he was just terrible and 
and then Alex Winter, who played Bill, and you know, Bill said he was also in Death with Death Wish Three. It's like, yeah, he's a terrible guy. Like every, it wasn't just limited to um, to women. Like everybody on this fucking movie, everybody hated Michael working with Michael Winter. In fact, Christina Rain said that if what she she will always thank the New York Teamsters because they protected her from him because he was just very spiteful and very like and just like again he was a sadist you know and like they were basically like you're not fucking with her at all you know like they stepped up they stepped up and, and stood up for her a lot but a lot of the actors a lot of the other actors like um chris sarandon and um i think burgess Meredith were all like oh man this guy sucks this guy's an asshole and he got a lot of flack which i you know i'm sure you read because at the end of the movie there's this whole like nightmarish sequence where he's using people who have real deformities yeah, it's a it's weird because I I was watching it and I was like this is I was like I uh-huh. Mhm. Uh, you're like that's not this is real. And so there's like a moment where you're like did he exploit these people probably. Yeah. Um but there's also like a part where like I guess he's he's in an interview and Michael Winner is talking about, you know, like he's like yeah, no one wanted to eat with them and I was going to go eat with them but it was like hot that day. And so like you're just like wow, this dude is just all around prick. But yeah. not only did he probably, I, I, I don't know, but like, you know, I, I, I don't know what he paid them. You know what I mean? But sure. um, them playing demons seems fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, they're, they're like that, at the end, there's that whole sequence and, and they're just supposed to be like Denzins from hell. And um, it's just, it's really, it is kind of sad. I mean, the seat, here's the thing, it, what, what makes it sad, I was, I, I was watching this when I was watching this my wife years ago. She was like, like she's like, that's kind of a fucked up thing. And I'm like, I know. And what's even more fucked up is that it kind of works in the scene. Like, I feel yeah. bad that he exploited these people, but I'm like, the scene itself is actually like really effective. It's like really creepy. I mean, it's the end, it's the climax. So we're like, the t- you know, everything's like, there's a lot of tension. It's like the everything's heightened or anything like that. And that moment's actually like a really kind of a cool scene in the movie. It just it's a shame that it was the expense of all these people who had legitimate you know, deformities and, and problems. And, and uh, it wasn't done the way Todd Browning did freaks in the, in like the thirties where he was like, it was championing them, you know, yeah. and saying like these people aren't the freaks. The, the regular people in the movie are, it wasn't done like that. It was done in a, it was done in a more of like, look how fucking gross this guy is. Isn't that scary? And it's like, yeah, that sucks. You know? Um, but there's so many good people in this movie and you're right. Like the, the dialogue isn't fucking fantastic, and part of the reason why is because it was based on a book by this guy named, I think, Jeffrey Kobritz, who got really – or Kovitz, I think Kovitz. And he was uh, he was very – he was on set, and he got in a lot of fights with Michael Winter because Michael Winter is basically taking this book that he wrote and just doing his yeah. own thing, you know? And it, it came at a time period when they had, like, you know, we had Exorcist a few years before that. We had The Omen. There were, everybody's getting into the religious horror aspect in the 70s, you know, and uh, – and and this is just one of those like, you know, uh, knockoffs. You know, like oh, The Exorcist did really well. Let's what other religious horror can we get? Like, well, what about this? You know, and they just they were like studios were just optioning books left and right that had anything to do with like religion and horror because of The Exorcist. So, um, thank you, Exorcist, for The Sentinel <laughs> and The Omen and all those other movies. But um, I still like it. I, I definitely I see its flaws through and through. You know, and um, but. Chris Rand and that mustache is just like that automatically gives it a one star, you know. Like so, if the movie's like in itself is like a two star movie, Chris Sarandon's mustache makes it a three star, by far. Like that yeah. mustache is super cool. The, Chris Sarandon is super there's cool. There's a scene um, which I, I I honestly really like. It's with him and where he's explaining that he's dead. 
Um, yeah. And that, um, you know, he he's like, oh, and he, he turns and like the whole side of his face is bloody. But then like there's these parts that like rip up, rip apart that look like like deep scratches. I thought that was good. I thought he was good in that. That's a good like scary yeah. scene. It freaks me out a little bit. Um, it is like this movie has like so many good things and so many bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot. Did we talk about Richard Donner? Did we talk about him dying? We because did not talk um, about him dying. that you you just mentioned the Omen. Yeah, yeah, the Omen. And so, um, R.I.P. Richard Donner for one of the scariest movies. It's funny because there was a a meme of uh, you I know you the, that, yeah. it's it's like my favorite thing. But you know, it's all for you, Daniel. It's like when you're trying to liven up the party. <laughs> like yeah. it was just her with the noose over her face, uh, her neck. But like, yeah. But yeah, this this movie has like some really great scenes, but some really cheesy lines. But honestly, even though they're done badly they like i just kind of love it anyway sure and and like i unfortunately i've never really seen christina reigns and anything else i've seen just about everybody else in this movie in multiple things and like they i so i know they're all good actors so it's like it makes me wonder like i i I genuinely like chris sarandon is fucking fantastic i mean like the fact that he can play so many iconic characters um like prince humperdinck and princess bride to like uh jerry dandridge and fright night and you you they are so uniquely those characters that I'm not like, oh, that's just Chris Sarandon playing that. It's like, oh, Chris Sarandon is Prince Humperdinck in Princess Bride. Chris Sarandon is Jerry Dandridge in Fright Night. Um, he is the uh, the Chicago cop in Child's Play, um, which is probably where I, I remember him the most as a kid. But um, so I know these people, these actors are good. I think Burgess Meredith is fucking. I mean, like Jesus Christ, the guy was nominated for Rocky, I believe, or he won. I can't remember. But like, all these actors are great actors who have done better stuff so it's like when you when you watch them in this you're like well it seems that seems kind of a stretch it's like i don't blame them i blame the director but i will say that fucking scene that you that you were just talking about with the fucking i guess it's supposed to be your dad i think i can't remember yeah it is fucking terrifying it is even even though i know it's coming like when i know it's coming i feel like my like the hair on my arm stand up like the whole setup like her like hearing the noise i'm like oh no it's that scene again and I'm like, I get, I start getting nervous because it's just done so well. I just wish the rest of the movie had that, you know, he was uh, yeah. at stylist, as stylistic as, as that moment. But um, I like it. I, 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 and I give it three, you know, if I was give it three, a star rating, I'd give it three stars. I think it's, it's, it's fine. It's not the exorcist. It's not the omen, but it's, it's not, but it's way more campy, but I like it. I, I, I mean, I kind of love it. I like it a lot more than the entity, which we we watched. Um, That's crazy. Few, yeah, yeah, I know you're you're a entity purist, apparently. But I love that movie. I don't know why. I kind of this, this one is probably mine then because I I really like it. Uh, I think it's I think it's funny. I think like even the the lines being delivered are so out of place sometimes. Like uh but i i really like it i find it endearing for some reason even though it was made by an asshole yeah. um it's great and it has some really good scenes in it it does and like the, dinner suit, the party sequence like with the cat is fucking great like yeah I, and even the end when you have this like you have like the bishop and then this blind creepy looking old ass priest and it's a big cross i just <laughs> like coming through i love it it's just absurd at some points, but uh, yeah, it's really fun. I think that's the thing with religious horror movies. I think it, I, I, I find that like it doesn't affect people who are very religious as much as it affects people who like 
at one point were raised Catholic or raised religious. Like for me, like I remember uh, a standout moment in my mind. It was like when I was 18 years old and he listens to this podcast. So I, I, I gotta be careful about how frustrated I was with him. We were watching the exorcist. I think we were 18 or 19 and we were watching it. And I'm like, you know, I, I can watch a movie no matter at any time. And, and I'm freaked out, you know? So I'm like sitting there on the couch, like white knuckling this movie. And I'm like, how can you not be fucking so freaked out by this movie? He's like, because, dude, like, God wins at the end. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. I was, like, so angry. But I was thinking, I was like, that's probably why he doesn't feel freaked out at all. Whereas, like, I think other people, like myself, are like, yeah, I don't believe that. But what if it's true and I'm completely fucked because I don't, you know, because I've been so, like, skeptical, you know? So, like, I think religious horror movies kind of freak me out in that aspect where it's like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm very much, I'm not a believer but there's that little part of me that grew, you know, I was from my childhood that like I was raised that way that I was like, oh, fuck, what if everybody's right and I'm wrong and I'm totally screwed myself and this is what's going to happen to me. Like I'm my head's going to spin around 360, you know, or I'm I'm going to throw up my pea soup or like I'm going to end up blind fucking, you know, on the gateway of like the, the gateway to hell. You know, it's like I, 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 I think it I think it really taps into those people who like have like, you know, skepticism, you know. Because it just it when they're done really well, they kind of make you go, oh shit, <laughs> what if? Um, and I think that's the I think it's the beauty of horror movies is that it always makes you ask, what if? Um, so that's one of the things I like about I do like about the Sentinel is that it does kind of have that like what if factor. But yeah, um, it's I mean it it, it has a few. I, it's funny how like fast they put the story together too. Like it just takes one scene of Chris Sarandon like in the bishop's office finding files and he's like oh boom 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 i have the whole story i figured it all out and then he goes there and like gets you know dead um it's it's hilarious and you're like what is this even part of the story like how he figured that all out right now like dang okay uh it's it is just ridiculous but scary and and fun and i i really liked it so everyone should like it too yeah (laughs) Definitely, definitely. I uh, I'm glad we watched it. But yeah, uh, that was the Sentinel, 1977. Yeah, and uh, it's on. Uh, it's for available for rent most places. Prime, yeah. YouTube, you know, Google Play, whatever, whatever you feel, it's accessible. You can probably download it. Yep, I got it on iTunes like years ago, and I just once in a while I'm like oh, I should rewatch that. And so I'm glad we got to do it because it's it's making that purchase you know, pay for itself. (laughs) True. All right. Bye. Uh, Bye. There must forever be a guardian of the gate from hell. No evil thing approaches or There is danger. Welcome home. From the shocking, best-selling novel, The Sentinel, rated R.